Baruch, hi there. Oli Anderson here. You're listening to Creative Status. This is a podcast, if you don't know, about using the creative process as a vehicle for moving towards realness or wholeness or healing or connection or whatever word you want to use. Uh, my name is Ollie Anderson. Like I just said, I'm a creative performance coach. I help people to bring realness into their lives and business. Most of what I talk about is based off the stuff in my books, Personal Revolutions, The Short Course in Realness and Shadow Life. Every episode of Creative Status, uh, I basically interview somebody about creativity, realness, connection, all the things I just mentioned. And I try to understand the philosophical and psychological implications of all this stuff to show that it has real world practical value and to show you how you can kind of implement this stuff in your own life without it sounding like a bunch of gobbledygook. Today's interview is with an amazing business coach called Kalika Zarek. The interview itself, though, it has nothing really to do with the business coaching stuff. We actually talk about um, some of the underlying emotional stuff that can get in the way of our journey towards wholeness that can cause us to become fragmented. We ultimately dive quite deep into shame, trauma, how it shows up, what it looks like in our lives, how it causes the ego to uh, basically restrict our experience of ourselves and of life and what we can do about it. So Kalika, thank you so much because you shared quite a lot of your own experience in this conversation, which was a really brave thing to do. Uh, you're really candid, really open, really honest. Uh, and I got some amazing insight from it. Everybody else, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, please leave a review somewhere if this uh, helps you in any way. That's going to help other people find it and help them too. And of course, it's going to allow me to be rich and famous because my podcast is going to be more popular. Um, but yeah, there'll be another episode of Creative Status next Monday. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. I really did. Kalika, thanks again. Everybody else, here we go. Boom. Oh, hi there, Kalika. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of Creative Status. Um, I have a suspicion, as I always do, to be honest, that this is going to be a kind of deep conversation about some very meaningful things. I suppose I have to say that. But uh, ultimately, we're going to be exploring a lot of ideas to do with shame, how shame shows up in people's lives, how it holds them back, and how it ultimately causes them to create a false version of themselves that they can identify with, which limits what's possible in their lives. So that's me throwing some expectations of the conversation out there. Before we get into it, uh, do you just feel like introducing yourself, telling people what you do, and also letting us know what you personally want to get from this conversation? Of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I'm really grateful for this opportunity to be here with you today and to share uh, some of the things that I've been working through over the past, gosh, 33 years. That's how old I am. So <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Kalika. Um, I actually live in the United States. I live in Colorado. Um, I've lived here my whole life. I love the mountains. I love exploring adventure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a big trail runner, um, wow. outdoor enthusiast, and yeah, I've really been on a deep journey of healing. Um, you know, like so many mm. of us, or all of us, I guess, experienced a lot of trauma, grief, loss, um, and just trying to make sense out of my mm. my existence here on Earth. <laughs> wow, I uh, I love mountains and stuff too, so I'm a little bit jealous that you're in Colorado, but um, yeah. One thing that comes up a lot in this podcast 
is a little line that I just, I'm always throwing out, which is that the main issues in our lives are shame, guilt, and trauma. If we mm-hmm. as human beings have like unresolved shame, guilt, or trauma in the most extreme cases, then ultimately what happens is, is that we find ourselves becoming fragmented and then we go into hiding. Fragmentation is kind of bad. It sucks because ultimately it goes against the natural drive that we all have towards wholeness. So we're going to dive into that a little bit more deeply, I'm assuming, than I normally do, because I normally just end up throwing it out there and ranting and raving about it. Of those three things, though, shame, guilt, and trauma, just to get this conversation like opened up and going a bit, I have found that in most people's lives, shame is the thing that kind of screws them up most commonly. It might not screw them up more than trauma, but in general, I have found that there are two kinds of people out there in the world. There's shame-driven people and there's shame-dissolving people. That basically means that everybody has some kind of shame that they've picked up as they've been going through life, but you can relate to it in two ways. If you're shame-driven, that's when you end up going into hiding and the shame is dictating nearly everything that you do and causing you to filter your life through the ego. If you're shame dissolving, that's when you kind of wake up and you put yourself on some kind of a healing path and it can be different for everybody. But that path is basically dissolving the shame by taking you back to wholeness. Wholeness just means connection to yourself, connection to others and connection to the world. So that's Mm -hmm. just me framing how I see all this stuff. But to open it up, what do you think about that the idea that there are quite a lot of people out there running around and they've just been driven by their own shame? maybe in many cases without even knowing. Oh, it is so profoundly true um, Mm. based on my experience. I mean, yeah, speaking with you for the first time when we met about a month ago, I was so relieved to hear you speak of these things because you have a very profound way of explaining the things that I've felt and Mm. the things that I've kind of gone through. I think I spent gosh, so much of my life being shame driven, um, truly in a state of survival, survival mode to the extreme. And, you know, I think I look back on that period and having kind of transitioned now into dissolving and moving towards wholeness. Mm -hmm. um, I I think I do have regrets about spending so much time in that shame cycle um, Mm -hmm. is kind of what it feels like. And the other thought I have is that, you know, I think for so long I blamed the trauma. Like I pointed to the trauma being like, this is the problem. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until I started to, to move mm. through wow. the process of healing that I recognized and I can recognize now that it was shame all along that mm. was mm. really um, removing me from myself, my true self. Mm. Yeah. So the ultimately... That's what it all boils down to, in my view. Like, when we move towards wholeness, dissolve and all that stuff we just said, when we do that, it puts us on the path to being reconnected ultimately to our at the real version of ourselves. Realness is what I call it. When we get to that place, that's when everything kind of clicks. Like, we feel amazing. We've got energy because we're not weighing ourselves down with all these negative thoughts or, you know, whatever it is. We're just flowing with life instead of forcing it. One of the reasons that shame is so kind of screwed up is because it causes shame-driven people to become control freaks. That's what I found. Like, I used to be like this, to be honest. And, like, I've seen it with people I work with now. They become control freaks 
Because when we got all this shame bubbling away beneath the surface, we need to control the external world so that it doesn't trigger that shame, basically. And so that means we'll try and, um, I don't want to use the, the word manipulate, but we'll try and control people to act in certain ways. We'll try and change other people. We'll try and change the world. We externalize everything ultimately so that we don't turn inwards and then face that shame in the short term so that we can start dissolving it. So I guess the question is, does that align with your experience? And to open it up even more, what was it that you started doing to go from that shame-driven place to like this shame-dissolving um, path you put yourself on towards you know, wholeness or realness and that kind of thing? Oh my gosh, yeah, such a deep question. So I guess it would be helpful um, to share part of the experience hmm. that definitely resulted in me going into a mode of hyper control. Um, mm, mm, mm. So I was wow. sexually assaulted when I was 14. Um, wow. And I actually was not able to speak those words or share that with anyone until I was in my mid 20s. Mm. Um, so immediately after it happened, I went into, wow. I kind of internalized everything. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. where to turn. I didn't know what to do. Um, but the biggest thing was that I 100% blamed myself. Mm. Um, I think the only way I could like reconcile what had happened was to place blame. And mm. for me, the easiest way to do that was to, uh, you know, I guess it's a control thing already emerging, <laughs> but to, to tell myself that it was entirely my fault and that I had yeah. put myself in that position. Um, I oh. was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I was hanging out with people I shouldn't have been. And that just created an immediate shame mm. cycle, mm. right? As you can imagine. Mm. Um, yeah. And I, I buried it. I buried it as deep as I possibly could. And I tried to convince myself that it never happened. Mm. Um, and mm. I think that was because I couldn't handle the shame of that experience. Um, Cause yeah. that's, that's where I took it. Um, and then from there, I think that really did set the stage. Everything you're saying is so, so true to my experience because mm -hmm. I think that that carrying wow. that shame of that experience and not sharing it with anyone, not feeling safe, um, wow. really kind of moved me into like wow. living, living into the identity of a victim. Mm -hmm. One. Yeah. Like that's yeah. an identity that I carried with me for ever. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other part, the control part, it actually manifested itself later as obsessive compulsive behaviors. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I wow. struggled with an eating disorder. I, that being a huge part of the control yeah. Um, yeah. where I was suffering so much internally mm. that like starting to, um, attached to external behaviors and external validation, uh, um, wow. was part of the cycle, right? Like I remember mm. thinking, like actually having the thought of like, oh, this is something I can control. Like mm. I need to focus wow. all of my time and effort on this. And, you know, in hindsight, it's like, it makes sense as a coping mechanism because then I distracted myself so much with <laughs> those behaviors that I didn't have to feel any yeah. of the shame yeah. or yeah. feel less of the shame, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Like, so obviously, thank you for sharing your 
personal experience because it's kind of like a I don't want to use the word extreme, but it's, it's a serious example of the kind of thing that we're talking about. So mm. it allows us to see the structure of how this works because I've found like e- even people who have not necessarily experienced something to that degree still have this stuff going on in their lives and it causes them to hold back and to distract themselves and to try and control mm. things in the way that we've just said so that they don't grow into the real version of themselves. It, basically, it, shame ends up putting some kind of a block between what is going on inside us and needs to come to the surface and the process of allowing that to happen. And no matter who we are, it's only by allowing that kind of unconscious stuff to become conscious that we can heal and keep growing and expanding in the way that we need to. And so what you shared is like a... It's like it's not a textbook version, but it shows really clearly what people are kind of dealing with. So let's break it down a little bit, right? So in your case, you ended up kind of coping with this. And we, we have to remember as well, like the ego stuff that we're talking about, the identity stuff that we're talking about, it is a survival thing, right? So your way of dealing with the situation was to kind of shut down a little bit, to go into victim mode. And that was your way of avoiding like these feelings, which in the short term would no doubt have fucking sucked, but the healing was always going to be on the other side of letting that stuff go go where it needs to go. So I always think like people either become victims or they become like heroes when they go through something Mm -hmm. like this, but both of those things are totally unreal. So in the case of the victim, they basically end up, you know, blaming everything that's happened on like external forces and that kind of thing, or they end up blaming themselves, but then directing that outwards. The heroes, on the other hand, they basically end up becoming too um, too callous almost. Like they shut down their feelings and they think they can just handle everything in life that it's going to throw at them. And they basically avoid their feelings by acting as though they're way stronger than they are. So that was a very lo- uh, long-winded way of saying that. The victim kind of def- identifies with their weakness that they think they've uh, perceived in themselves the heroes, whatever you want to call them, they end up uh, they end up identifying with the kind of false strength that isn't there. But in both cases, it's about avoiding the feelings. So how did you get over the victim thing? And like, how do you see the whole vi- victim thing now? Because even, you know, we're saying all this, but there's a lot of um, controversy to some extent around saying, you know, like the victim mindset is unreal and like it shouldn't exist and we should take responsibility and keep growing and dissolving our shame and blah 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 and at the end of the day like if you got sexually assaulted that's an awful thing to happen and like so we could say you know in some ways you're a victim of that but what is the fine line i guess between acknowledging that yes something bad did happen but you're not a victim if that if that question even makes sense oh yeah yeah it does um it's interesting that you kind of presented that because I think for me, I had layers of both the hero and the victim. Um, I think the victim identity was much more overt. Like it was a little bit more hidden. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, so I guess really what happened was um, about, gosh, I guess it was 2021. um, I experienced a full blown ego death. And I had actually been working with a coach, um, 
for like a year and a half leading up to that point. And I think she had just been expanding me so much um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, giving me a container and a space to Mm -hmm. let a lot of my pain and shame out and Mm. know that I was still okay, Mm. um, that it sort of triggered this whole like Mm. ego death process. So I think the the thing that I think about with shedding that, I feel like it's shedding the victim identity is what Mm. I went through. Yeah. Um, through that process of expanding, I was able to recognize that like, I am not that event. Mm, yeah. I yeah. am not a even a product really <laughs> of the circumstances yeah. that I've survived. Um, there's so much more depth to who I truly am. Right. Mm, and mm, mm. yeah. So I guess that's the that was really one of the turning points for me. Although I really don't think that would have been possible without me sort of feeling like enough's enough and mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. willing and vulnerable yeah. and able to start opening up to people yeah. and start yeah, asking yeah. for help. <laughs> yeah. No, that's amazing. Like I think that's quite common. So when people are going through these transformational journeys, they eventually reach a point where they're like, right, it's breaking point basically. Enough is enough. Because they realize that the way they're doing things or the way they've been going about life in general is unreal something like that they realize they need to make some changes at a fundamental level and that's when basically they've reached the end of the line of that current version of the identity because if you if you find yourself at breaking point i believe it's because the identity is not it's it's not as fluid as it needs to be if that makes sense like if you keep a static image of yourself and you you take it out into the world or out into reality eventually you're going to have to break and you're going to have to go through some kind of ego death or something like that. So let's talk about that. If that's cool. Like when you went through this whole uh, experience with ego death and everything, what exactly do you mean by that? Because personally, I, I don't think we can kill the ego and I know it's just a language thing, but like, I think we can step back from it and then we can see like where it's been kind of screwing us up or whatever. But in your case, like what, like what was going on there? Like what happened specifically? Yeah. Um, so I guess a little bit more background on the circumstances leading up to that point. And then I'd love to share what it felt like, cause I think yeah, that will give yeah. it more, um, it'll make it easier to understand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mentioned that I kind of did both coping. I took on both, um, methods yeah. of coping the hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that looked was really the control thing. It was a mm-hmm. lot of self-punishment. I went into mm-hmm. a like a deep state of self-punishment. So along with struggling through the like control externalization with the eating disorder, I um, got heavily into running. Um, that was sort of a escape for me, a release, uh, in many ways, very healing. I kind of think about it as a double-edged sword. Um, because it, it did provide me with a lot of healing and experiences that I would not trade for the world. I honestly don't even know how I would have survived that period if it weren't for having an outlet like that. Um, but the, the hero part, the control part was like, I am tough. I'm strong. I'm taking on this. Nothing can kill me. I'm unstoppable. (laughs) Like, and that felt good because it kind of gave me my power back in a way. Right. Um, Yeah. 
But I did become very obsessive and compulsive with that mm. behavior because um, mm. I think wow. people can relate to this. If you're struggling with shame, you want more of what makes you feel okay. Yeah. Even though like, yeah. you know, you're not, you're not fully living into your true self and real authenticity, but it's like, <laughs> oh, this makes me feel more okay. So I'm yeah, going yeah, yeah, yeah. to yeah. after this, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's sort of what running turned into. And in 2021, for the first time ever, um, I'd gotten into ultra running and trail trail races. And I'd done, gosh, 13 or 14 races up until that point. Um, and I, for the first time ever, was not able to finish a race. Wow. Wow. Um, and that like <laughs> was a crushing, devastating blow yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that just opened my eyes so much to the fact of like, wait a second, like, why am I, why am I, why am I finding my value mm. in this external thing? It was mm. truly wow. a wake up moment for yeah. me because yeah. wow. the fact that it was such a crushing blow, like I, I came out <laughs> of that experience and I was like, okay, it shouldn't feel like this. I do mm. this because supposedly I enjoy it and it's mm. fun and it's adventure and it's, you know, challenging your limits and all of those things. But like it had become my identity. Like yes. I do hard shit. That's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. I got... Sorry. I just... No, Sorry. no, I was just, I was just going to say like, I can relate to this so hard because I, I used to kind of be like that with my, like my workouts for the mm. same reason. So like I, I, you know, I went through a shame-driven period and like the way that I would compensate for those feelings, I would just work out all the time or I'd go do crazy like hikes and things like that. And yeah. I became so rigid with my routine around that stuff that I actually started missing out on life. Like basically if there was something, some social thing going on, I'd be turning it down because I was going to go do my workout and that kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, I'm still regimented and I'm still healthy, but now that is not my identity. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm more fluid with it. And I think when people are shame driven instead of shame dissolving, basically they become obsessive in the way that we're talking about. They become outcome uh, dependent. They need certain outcomes like winning the race or getting the business deal or whatever to make the shame stay at bay. It becomes like an addiction almost. And so in your uh, story example that you shared where you didn't win that race, Basically, that's when you realize you were being outcome dependent instead of outcome independent. Your self-worth was invested basically in getting the, you know, winning the race, finishing the race. And that is how people end up living when they're shame driven. That's another perfect example of what we were talking about. So anyway, sorry, I interrupted you when you were going on. Yeah, no, you are so spot on. Like that is exactly how I yeah. spent yeah. So much of my time and in on all honesty, it actually feels really good to have this conversation with you and to, you know, under to re realize or re-recognize that it is such a profoundly wow. common experience that yeah. a lot of us aren't really talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> like I see it so frequently, like with people that come come for coaching, like this distinction between outcome dependent and outcome independence. It's one of the things that once you understand it, it can basically change your life. And like, I don't mean that in an exaggerated way. Like when, once you get it and you see that you're acting in this outcome dependent way and you step back from that, 
that's when you can start dissolving the shame. And all it ultimately means is what I said, like you basically choose some goal or some external activity to keep the shame at bay. And there's the fundamental mistake that you're making there is that the shame needs to go anywhere because as soon as you take a look at it or you share it, we'll get onto that in a second. As soon as you look it in the eye, that's when it starts dissolving. It's all these crazy activities that we get involved in where we're running around like headless chickens trying to escape from it that keep its power over us. I always say, I don't know if you remember these uh, these things in Super Mario Brothers, but I use it as an example. There's there's these ghosts in Super Mario Brothers. I used to play it when I was a kid. And like as soon as you turn, you, you try and run away from the ghost, it chases after you. But when you look at yeah. it, it pauses and its power is gone. It's the same with shame. And these shame-driven people who are basically ruling the world, if you look at them, they're constantly running around trying to keep it at bay. But actually, as soon as you face it and you start making that choice towards wholeness that, that we were talking about, that's when it starts to fade away and you can kind of free yourself. So, yeah, I'll stop ranting. But is there anything there that you, you want to add or whatever? Yes. Um, I was smiling. You can't see my face, but I was smiling when you were <laughs> mentioning that because it resonates so much. And I think it's a great visual. Um, for me, a couple of things come to mind. Number one is, you know, running from the ghost, it feels like you're a slave, right? It feels like yeah, you're yeah. being chased or yeah. you're chasing after yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. And are. what I found with that is no finish line, no accolade, no achievement ever made me feel mm joy not yeah. real joy yeah 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 um, it wasn't until i shed wow. a lot of that which i will be honest was very very painful to go through mm -hmm. um you know i'm anyone who's experienced something like that it really felt like i was being broken open like i was mm -hmm. being broken mm -hmm. apart mm -hmm. and like broken mm -hmm. down into this mm -hmm. like micro dust of myself wow. um not sure if i would ever rebuild <laughs> But the crazy thing is like when you can escape from that mm. shame cycle where you're mm. chasing mm. after something or you feel like you're being chased, mm. that's where you find true joy and true yeah. freedom, yes. right? Like 100%. Yeah. And the reason that you find joy and freedom and all that is because you find wholeness. You find the real version of you your realness, which is always connected to everything else. And you're in the flow, blah, blah, blah. You're not forcing life. Like when you uh, just described, you know, the lifestyle you're living, where, you, you know, you're constantly looking for another accolade, you're trying to win a medal, whatever it is. When you're running around like that, you are basically in survival mode, right? So this is the thing, like the shame, it basically sends us into survival mode and so we start instinctually running around doing all the things that the shame is driving us to do because we think if we don't do these things, so like if we don't run the race, if we don't do blah, 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 we think if we don't do that, then something awful is going to happen. We think we're not going to survive, basically. And when we're in that state, it's not us that is making our decisions. We are not in the driving seat. The ego, the survival instinct which is there for a reason, but isn't aligned with reality necessarily, that is leading the way. And so we're constantly following, you know, these, these promptings and dictates from within us that are not us. And it just adds tension because it's not real. 
And so when you reach that breaking point or when you wake up, you literally do have to rebuild yourself. But ultimately what you're doing is you're just removing um, the power that all of these, you know, survivalist, egotistical, whatever you want to call them, uh, promptings have over you and you take power over your own life. So basically what I'm saying is when you've been shame driven, you're actually like the word suggest driven, you've been pushed towards things without even stopping to think or ask why. And then when you wake up, that's when you can start, you know, moving towards realness and wholeness and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. And like, I think, you know, a lot of people, they see the, the goal is like, oh, I want to be more present in my life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a common expression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I that resonates with me so much because I feel like when I was in those periods or that long period of time, I really did miss out on the world around me. I missed, like you said, with mm-hmm. um, your experience, yeah. I missed out on relationships and mm-hmm. time with family members that I can't get back. And Um, so many things that, you know, your life is just like whizzing by you and you're so focused on Mm. survival, um, Mm. that Mm. you do miss out on, on being present. But I do think that like, Mm. in some ways it almost feels like being present is not the actual goal. Uh, For me, it's like detaching from Mm. your shame and Mm. all the things that, Mm. that have, warped your sense of self right like and and in a lot of ways connecting to something greater like for me there has been a a spiritual journey there of like Mm -hmm. connecting to what i believe is god and Mm -hmm. like um connecting with others and there is a lot of power and freedom in that waking up period but it's not as simple as like oh i just need to be more present in my life it's like Mm -hmm. no i actually need to go through something (laughs) where i shed this Mm, mm. false identity yeah yeah like that is six billion percent how i see it as well right so when you go through this process of you know going from shame driven to shame dissolving the ending the end state of the dissolution process if you want to call it that (laughs) is that you realize your identity does not exist in any way, shape or form, basically. And so your ego, your sense of, you know, who you are as, you know, in terms of labels and contingencies, like the version of you that's a runner or has a certain job or whatever, all that stuff kind of dissolves. And then it is between you and something bigger than yourself. So yeah, you can call it God or the universe or all these different words that people use. It becomes about learning to surrender to the flow of life itself because life, you know, it takes you where you want to go. You can, you know, choose a vision and a direction and you can mold your life. But even to, to, you know, get the things that you want and to achieve certain things that are real, coming from a real place, you have to give yourself to something bigger than just you. And actually what I've learned, and I'm so glad you brought this into the conversation about the higher thing that you end up having to you know transcend yourself and kind of work with what i've learned is that all of these shame driven people they need the ego because they're actually scared to make that connection to the higher thing like the ego Mm -hmm. the false sense of identity is basically the illusion that it's all up to you 
that you are totally in control of your life, that you are totally separate, you're totally independent, all, you, you know, you're fragmented basically. And the shame is the only thing that keeps all of those illusions in place. But because of what you were saying, like people don't want to take that plunge into, you know, looking at the ghost or sharing these feelings that they've got because people don't want to make that leap and feel shit in the short term as they like bring those unresolved emotions to the surface. Well, they just spend their whole lives explaining away and justifying the shame that has imprisoned them in the, in the, in the first place, if that even makes sense. So I know I'm rambling, but basically what I'm saying is shame is basically our attempts to argue for the state of disconnection that has mm. messed us up in the first place. Some, something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That rings so true. I, yeah, I think that's such a profound like conversation to have. And even if it's just bringing it into people's awareness, um, mm. one, one of the thoughts I had that I actually worked through with my coach um, during the process of kind of waking back up was a, actually a very deep distrust in, mm. in God, if you will, or yeah, yeah, yeah. what's all the universe or um there was a very intense distrust that i had and i had been like there was really a fracture there that i had to work through and you know again i don't don't think i would have had the courage or um the awareness to do that without having a a coach and Mm, having someone mm, that was an objective mm, participant in it mm, right mm, like mm, um to rebuild that trust because i think Again, it goes back to something I mentioned in the very beginning where it was like, wow. you know, I blamed the trauma or I like blamed what had happened to me. I yeah. Yeah. was angry in a lot of ways and disenchanted and thought like there's no way there could be something greater than <sighs> than me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. If so, why would this have happened? Right. Or why yeah, would yeah. these people have died or why, you know, like all mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. But I think that's the interesting thing with that is that that is more of the same <laughs> thinking, right? Yeah, it's the yeah, same yeah, thinking. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like basically you've introduced one of my favorite words into this conversation, which is trust. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is a podcast about the creative process, but how basically everything is a creative process. It's about us going from a state of disconnection to a state of connection. And in order to be able to ride through that process in whatever uh, form it shows up in our lives, it takes trust. You know, it's a cliche, right? In self-help circles, whatever, spirituality, trust the process. But when it comes to reality and having a real life, you have to trust. And like one of the biggest problems I see, like with with whoever I'm, I'm working with in general, is that if they're not getting the results they want from life, if they don't feel good in general, they've got all this emotional shame-driven stuff going on that we're talking about, they don't trust. And, you know, it's not their fault. Blame isn't anything to do with it. And actually, we, we should talk about the blame thing a bit more because it's related to the trust thing. But basically, if you have a lot of shame in yourself, you end up being a control freak in the way that we're talking about. And when you're a control freak, you think that, Everything is up to you, basically. That's the abridged version, right? And when you're in that state, that's when you start forcing everything through your own plans, through your own understanding. But like we said, 
life is way bigger than just us. And so if you're, everything you're trying to do is fueled by you believing that the end point of your existence is your ego and the things that it shows you through your perceptions and interpretations, then you skip that stage of realizing that there is something higher and you can call it God, you can call it whatever, but even just at a very simple level, none of us understand everything. None of us mm -hmm. can control everything. Like it's just the way life is, whether you believe in God or not, nobody can control, control everything, right? And so there's always going to be uncertainty. There's always going to be doubt. There's always going to be, you know, questions that can't be answered. And the trust thing is about just navigating that and riding through it. And so if you don't have, um, you know, the awareness that is allowing you to be shame dissolving instead of shame driven, you won't get the results because you can't trust. And so that brings us back to the blame thing because, you know, another part of life that we can't escape. So along with uncertainty and doubt and all those things I mentioned, another thing that is going to happen to all of us eventually is that just bad things happen. Like things happen that go against our original plan for our lives. So in my case, like I, I had some like serious health issues and when they occurred, I went through exactly what you're just talking about with blame and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, you know, whose fault is this? Is it because this happened when I was a kid or, you know, like you can blame God, you can blame society, whatever it is, right? You try and blame things. In retrospect, like this health stuff I'm on about, it happened like 15 years ago. At the time, it was just the worst possible thing that could have happened, right? But in retrospect, it turned out it is the best thing that could have happened. When I was going through it, I didn't think that at all. Like it was just a nightmare. But as I got to the other side, it was actually a blessing because it woke me up to so many things about life. It showed me my own strengths. It showed me who I really am. It just cut out so much bullshit that I had picked up because I've been shame driven when I went into that process. So the question is, is there a link that you found between the blame thing and the trust thing, because actually, you know, when these bad things happens, we start looking for blame purely because we're not ready to trust the process yet. But what I am learning in my life is that you can always trust the process, like literally always, like trust is the key. So I've thrown, yes. I've thrown loads of stuff at you there, but like, what, what do you think about all that? Yeah. You know, what, what came up really strong when you said that was the blame thing is more of an, you're externalizing it, right? You're yeah, trying to yeah, yeah. make sense of it by finding, yeah. you know, something outside of yourself where I honestly feel like the trust thing mm. is from deep within. Like yeah, it yeah. almost feels like it's at the core of who you are. Mm, and mm. for me, the experience has felt like wow. tr learning to trust myself yeah. so that I could be present in my body yeah, so yeah. that I could open up that channel to, yeah, yeah. again, what I believe is God or, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, I yeah. say the universe energy. Like I don't, I like the trust was almost like the gateway of yeah, like, yeah, first yeah. I had to trust me. Then I could yeah, trust something yeah. greater than me. Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. to trust other people. Wow. Like, and I don't think the experience, oh. I don't think I would have ever come out of it if I wasn't able to have that trust i think i would yeah. have stayed in that cycle of external yeah. oh. external validation external yeah, yeah, yeah. achievement um wow. external blame like yeah hundred and you know hundred million percent like <laughs> the people i've seen that remain stuck 
they can't trust in the way that you said. Like, and at the end of the day, like, it is up to, to us and our, you know, the way that we relate to ourselves and the way that we can find the strength or not to ride through those emotions, the shame and the guilt and the trauma, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's unfortunate if people are stuck, of course, but the only way out is just almost the law of life, it seems. The only way out is to trust. And it's exactly what you just said. Like, I've found this myself. Like, first of all, we have to trust ourselves. And then when we trust ourselves, we can let go to, to you know, God or whatever. And that ultimately, I have found, explains why people end up uh, holding back and hesitating and being stuck in their minds as a product of all this shame-driven stuff that we're saying. So let's just take the case of uncertainty, for example, right? I found, you know, uncertainty is just part of life. Like I said earlier, you, you're going to have to ride it out. And so if you want to basically achieve something in life or you want to get to where you know you can get or you feel you're called to go, let's say, you are going to have to ride through uncertainty. But if you're shame-driven and you've got too much stuff going on, you'll start projecting forward in your mind with all these what-if kind of thoughts. Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? Blah, 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 blah. You'd make yourself so anxious with these what-if questions that you won't even get started. But the only reason people ask themselves those questions is because they don't trust themselves. Like, actually, if you trust yourself no matter what, well, those what-if questions just go right out the window. It doesn't matter because you can replace it with another statement, which is no matter what does happen, you'll be able to handle it. Like, you'll figure something out because you trust yourself. So once you Mm -hmm. got to that stage, you can also like you said, see that, okay, the only way I'm going to be able to trust myself is to let go of the ego stuff. I have to let go of my identity. I know that I'm going to change. I know that this journey is going to, you know, teach me lessons and help me become the next version of myself. And that always involves wholeness and God and all the things you're talking about. So we have basically covered a shitload of things, pardon my French, in this short short conversation. Um, (laughs) I feel like I could go for like hours and hours. Like you've covered, you've uncovered so many of the things that I just love talking about. And it's amazing that you've shared your experience um, and shown that, you know, this isn't just theoretical stuff. This is stuff that applies to everybody, basically. So I suppose to wrap this all up, could you uh, give some final words of wisdom, I guess, to sum up the conversation? But is there also something, you know, tangible that people can do like actions that they can take to kind of start moving in the direction that we're talking about. Um, And also, can you let people know where they can find you and everything as well, if they want to talk to you about anything or just connect or whatever else you might have to offer? Yeah, I would love to. Um, You know, it almost feels like magic or like fortuitous, right? Because if the the thing I'll say is that this conversation Mm. would have never been possible if I wouldn't have woken up. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think the beauty of it, like you're like what you're talking about, what is available to people is what truly feels like magic because Mm -hmm. opportunities will present themselves in your life. (laughs) Like you said, if you're not trusting of yourself or something greater than you, then you're less likely to um, embark on those, those journeys, right? Those roads, those doors that open, you're less likely to go through them. So, I mean, again, I'm just very grateful that, you know, despite the things that have happened to me, it's, it's not 
it's not about that. It's, wow. it is about something greater. Um, mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that based on the experience I've had. And the other thing that I want to say is that that level of realness that you talk about is available to everyone. Yeah. And yeah. it may not be a pretty <laughs> road to get there, um, mm-hmm. full disclosure, but it's possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a couple of things I think that were big turning points for me. Um, definitely we, what we already mentioned of being able to start trusting myself again and to to feel more empowered that I deserved more than I was giving myself or allowing myself to have. Um, but then also just being open to the magic of the universe or the opportunities that God puts in your life. Um, I wouldn't have met my coach or, you know, maybe I would have met her, but I would have been closed off to her. And that was such a transformational endeavor for me. So I think that the lesson there is like, you know, if you've been going on your, your journey by yourself and like white knuckling it and trying to, mm-hmm. to grit your teeth and figure it out on your own. Like I can promise that it is so much better and easier when you can open up and trust someone else to help mm-hmm. you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the healing journey just expands in ways you would never, ever expect when you can let someone else in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, wow. that being like all the turning points I can reflect back on were when I was able to open up and let someone else in. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. I, I think love- that's the tangible, that's the tangible. Yeah. Take yeah, away. yeah. Share, like, share things and trust, trust the process of that as well. Like basically yeah. what you just said, like it, it's just, it, it just shows how important the trusting is and you write like ultimately once you can start trusting life, like the trust shows you doors basically i know it's, it sounds weird the mm. trust shows you the doors but then it opens the doors as well and then if you can trust yourself to go through them that's when life starts to be real again and i love how you said that realness is available to everybody because it just is because we're already real it's the shame and things like that that make us think we're not or that disconnect us from it so I can feel yeah. myself, uh, I'm getting worked up again. I'm going to start ranting, so I'm going to reel that in. <laughs> but can you tell people like where they can find you if they want to connect with you? Or um, yeah. like, like I found you, you've got a really cool Facebook group that I found you in. That's how we started talking. Um, yeah. not, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if you want to, I don't know if you want to share that, share that. But basically, yeah, where can people find you? Of course. Yeah. So um, I do have, you can find me on Facebook, Kalika Jin Zarek. Um, you can find me on Instagram, same thing, at Kalika Jin Zarek. Um, and then you can also join my Facebook group, especially if you're someone who's into creating an impact for others. Um, I actually help entrepreneurs who are in the high impact digital space. So my Facebook group is called the Entrepreneur's Edge, Multiply Your Impact. And I would love to connect with anybody and further this conversation. I've, like I've already mentioned, I think opening up has opened tons of doors. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> mm. That's awesome. I really love that thing about the doors opening. So I'm going to be thinking about that probably all day. But um, Kalika, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your you know, personal experience and all your insight. It's been really awesome and I really appreciate it. So thank you again. Thank you for the opportunity. You are truly wonderful and I'm so grateful that we met. <laughs>